we'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. real news. Welcome back everyone on air listening to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host Tori. So today is July 4th. Happy Independence Day. Happy Freedom Day. Aren't you glad (laughs) our forefathers had guns? Aren't you glad? I think uh, one thing one thing that we need to remember is that No nation was built through simple words and negotiations. And one thing a lot of people don't know is our flags are very important in regards to color and what they represent and how they're represented. And our flag, the red and white stripes, indicate the blood, the peace, the blood and the peace that was sacrificed in order to create this great nation. We should never forget that. Now, yesterday, a friend of mine sent me a um, clip of Marvin Gaye singing uh, the national anthem uh, at the 33rd National Basketball NBA, basically. So this is from 1983. I thought, before we start, talking about all the rubbish that's going around, talking about how today's, uh, you know, Tommy Robinson case that is going through the courts at the Old Bailey today uh, further reinforces how grateful I am that we are not subjects of the crown. Uh, We see that there was a capture of a tanker in the Straits of Gibraltar. Big deal there. And what is patriotism and where has it gone? So Let's start off by listening to this great rendition by Marvin Gaye. Inspiration, and I asked God that when I sang it, would He let it move men's souls? Can you see? Yeah. 
love America. You have to stay away a while to realize how great this country is. What happened to that patriotism? Here we have Marvin Gaye in this rendition of the national anthem in 1983 that was so moving, so incredibly moving. And I wanted to share something with you guys. So yesterday, and this is why, you know, it's as if my friend is in my head. So yesterday I went grocery shopping. Obviously it's the 4th of July, so I'm going to be cooking, grilling, etc. right? And I was in the meat section and I was looking through the lamb and I noticed something different. I noticed that now the lamb, now the meat is labeled halal. So as I grabbed the lamb, the ground lamb, you know, cause I want to make really good burgers and to have a really good burger, here's a tip. You have to have one part lamb, one part pork, one part beef and mix it. It's so good. So anyway, I'm looking at it and I flipped the package over where there's like, you know, the word halal in Arabic and, you know, in English. And at that point, there was a man probably in his 60s who said, hey, if you don't mind me asking where what nationality are you? Where are you from? I was like, I'm an American, but I am Greek American. He was like, yeah, you know, I was just, you know, I thought that you were, you know, a more. And I was like, what? Who uses that word anymore for Muslim? Right. And I said, well, happy fourth. He's like, are you celebrating it? I said, yeah. He's like, I'm not. And Earl was, you know, in his sixties, a black American and He said, I'm not celebrating the July 4th. And this is, guys, you know, the weird thing. Let me just say, before I tell you our conversation, I swear to you something was up yesterday because, you know, when I go out shopping or anything, I'm your typical New Yorker. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to get in there, get out. You know, I'm not into like the whole small talk thing. So anyway, um, Earl proceeds to tell me, well, you know, my people weren't free and this nation was built on slavery. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, how do you respond to that? And I did, of course. (laughs) Those of you that listen to my show and follow my writings, I always have something to say. And my response was, you know, we're very, you know that the United States is at its infantile stage, right? We're like, what, three centuries old? And, And that's if? Not even, right? We're shy. All nations, all civilizations across the world have slavery. Egypt had slaves. Ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, the Romans, the Brits, the Germans, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Koreans, everybody and their mother always had slaves. And we still have slaves, I said. It's just, it's more modernized They're not whipped anymore. They have supposed rights. They're not, you know, chained anymore. But they have invisible chains, such as debt. Slavery is always around. And our nation came forward pretty quick, considering that in less than 100 years, there was that revolution The first one on the planet to say that every man, woman, or child, no matter what color their skin, deserves to have 
equal rights because they're human beings. We were the first nation on the planet to do so, on the planet. See, the Chinese had the Indians, the Mongols, the Japanese, you know, the Japanese and the Chinese always fought, right? Let's just, so we were the first one that ever did that in less than a hundred years with Abraham Lincoln charting that path for us. And after Abraham Lincoln initiated that, he started a fire. Why? Because he lit the match. It's a match that you light that sets the fire. You strike the match. The fire will come at some point. It just takes time because justice and righteousness doesn't, you know, come in on a Ferrari. It comes in on a donkey. He said, besides it, you know, racism is still alive today. I said, I don't know about that. I think it's more, um, uh, in your head, but racism doesn't really exist. I mean, there's definitely going to be remnants of it somewhere. Kind of like, you know, the way traditions are kind of like how people used to have dowries for their daughters. You know, some people still do that. Uh, doesn't mean it's a good thing that you're like paying someone to take your daughter and marry them, but some people still practice that. It takes time that there's always going to be that remnant, but our nation is great. I said, it is incredible. It was found on Judeo-Christian values that within less than a hundred years of its inception, not only did it mandate that there is freedom, that there is competition, that there is freedom of religion, freedom of choice, freedom of speech, the right to your own security. But in less than a hundred years, it demanded that there was equality across the board for all those coming to the United States looking to take part on those gold paved streets that were talked about amongst all the lands. And yes, it took about a hundred years from that moment that Abraham Lincoln struck that match to actually get it done. And let's be honest, it was the Democrats that did not want to let go of slaves. Now, I didn't tell him that. I just left it at that. He goes, well, I see where you're coming from. And then he kind of tried to tackle me somewhere else. Have you ever heard of King James and you know, the Moors, I was like, uh, I was kind of, kind of like, okay, dude, I really don't want to strike up a conversation in the baking aisle, but, uh, yes, I have. And I kind of cut it short. I was like, listen, I'm Greek. Like I told you, I'm a historical Christian. There's only one Bible. There's only one word for me. There's no revisions because I'm a historical Christian. So, you know, I, I don't have an opinion because I've already made up my mind on it. So it's best, you know, we don't like drag it out and have this discussion. And I was like, and I'm not trying to be funny, but I have to get going. So I kind of, you know, skirted out there. The, the point that I'm trying to make is, is that people are finding it really hard, the left, to wrap their minds around the idea that they are making something out of nothing. And they are, I would say more into appeasement than standing strong on the values that we're supposed to represent. Patriotism, our flag is now a trigger. Speaking of our nation as one that represents freedom, 
of thought because what is speech? Speech is just a verbalization or an expression of your thought. Let's be clear on that. Freedom of speech doesn't mean, oh, I could say whatever I want. It means I could say whatever I want. I can sing whatever I want. I could dance whatever I want. I can dress how I want. I can paint how I want. I can live how I want because I am expressing my thoughts. So the First Amendment, let's be clear, it's the freedom of thought. That is what is under attack because when you are constantly censored, when you are constantly silenced, you are in effect, being trained not to think like that or else there's repercussions. This is how you train dogs. This is how you train cats. This is how you train humans to abide by your rules. There's repercussions if you speak. Oh, did you say that? You're blocked. Did you say that? You're not allowed to have this bank account. Did you say that? No one's going to talk to you. Did you say that? We'll just create a group so we can harass you. Did you say that? Well, I'm going to file a lawsuit against you. And you're thinking, but, but I'm expressing my thought. W- why? This is America. Yeah, but, you know, it's 2019. Things change. That's the problem. Things have changed. And I thought I would resurrect a president again today because, again, the past proves the future. Here is where the president, in 1989, President Ronald Reagan, on his exit, told you this. This national feeling is good, but it won't count for much, and it won't last unless it's grounded in thoughtfulness and knowledge. An informed patriotism is what we want. And are we doing a good enough job teaching our children what America is and what she represents in the long history of the world? Those of us who are over 35 or so years of age grew up in a different America. We were taught very directly what it means to be an American. And we absorbed almost in the air a love of country and an appreciation of its institutions. If you didn't get these things from your family, you got them from the neighborhood, from the father down the street who fought in Korea, or the family who lost someone at Anzio. Or you could get a sense of patriotism from school. And if all else failed, you could get a sense of patriotism from the popular culture. Yeah, that's the way it used to be. I'm just pausing it. Did you see how he said, if the parents failed to convey the notion that this nation is supposed to be great, this nation is one of freedom, freedom of everything, then you would get it from your neighbor. This isn't happening today. Neighbors don't talk. Then you would get it from school. In school, we're not allowed to have the Pledge of Allegiance. Now they're probably going to take away flags. And you're not allowed to discuss politics or be proud of your nation. Instead, they are teaching our children that we must not have borders and that we must not abide by regular, uh, (laughs) let's just say, facts. Your gender is not determined by your sex anymore. Uh, You know, insanities, pure insanities. He knew. Listen. The movies celebrated democratic values and implicitly reinforced the idea that America was special. TV was like that, too, through the mid-60s. But now we're about to enter the 90s, and some things have changed. Younger parents aren't sure that an unambivalent appreciation of America is the right thing to teach modern children. And as for those who create the popular culture, 
well-grounded patriotism is no longer the style. Our spirit is back, but we haven't re-institutionalized it. We've got to do a better job of getting across that America is freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. It's fragile. It needs production. So we've got... Before I continue with this clip, I just wanted to say freedom is special. We have a lot of people in our mainstream media that will tell you that there are other nations that are free. They're not. There are people that will tell you that the United Kingdom is free. Yet today, when we break down Tommy Robinson's case at the Old Bailey, you will see that they have made some astonishing claims. Claims as such that say that censorship is not, you know, is not something that's legally protected. Um, It's just, it makes you feel really glad and happy that we're not subjects of the crown. It's incredible. Incredible. Because they are saying that there's nothing in the law that says that the court can't ban publication of facts already in the public domain. This is not freedom. We have little freedom left, which we are fighting tooth and nail to maintain but we are fighting now after winning the war because we've already won the war and that's how winners work. They win the war and then they fight. Yet the Democrats now are fighting to win a war they already lost. I have to teach history based not on what's in fashion, but what's important. Why the pilgrims came here, who Jimmy Doolittle was, and what those 30 seconds over Tokyo meant. You know, four years ago, on the 40th anniversary of D-Day, I read a letter from a young woman writing to her late father, who had fought on Omaha Beach. Her name was Lisa Zanata Hen, and she said, we will always remember, we will never forget what the boys of Normandy did. Well, let's help her keep her word. If we forget what we did, we won't know who we are. I'm warning of an eradication of that of the American memory that could result ultimately in an erosion of the American spirit. Let's start with some basics. More attention to American history and a greater emphasis on civic ritual. And let me offer lesson number one about America. All great change in America begins at the dinner table. So tonight in the kitchen, I hope the talking begins. And children, if your parents haven't been teaching you what it means to be an American, Let them know and nail them on it. That would be a very American thing to do. Wow. We don't even have dinner table conversations anymore. In 2019, kids don't talk to their parents. It's funny. When the phone had a line that attached it, had a line, literally a line that attached it to a wall, we were free and still communicated. Communication skills have dwindled in regards to discussions. I, I, I see it all the time when my youngest daughter says, well, I can't like just go up to someone and say, Hey, want to hang out? I can't just, you know, walk down the street to my neighbor and say, hi, how's your day? Want to go ride bikes? 
I said, why not? She's like, well, kids don't do that. You have to do it through social media. People don't talk to each other anymore. This is my 13-year-old realizing it. That 13-year-old that made the declaration that she's going to be president uh, in the future. And that's because, you know, you know, I asked her, well, it doesn't matter. Just do it. And then other people will do it. She's like, mom, not everybody has parents that teach them about, you know, the real world or about politics. They just want them to go to school, get grades and go to college and not worry about things because that shouldn't be your concern. And that's what my teachers tell me whenever I want to discuss politics or when I want to talk about what's going on in the Middle East or when I say the European Union, you know, when my, my teacher told me that the European Union was a great concept, I told her it wasn't because the countries don't look like they used to. They're no longer countries. They're just like an everything thing. And, you know, they're having problems. So we're not supposed to concern ourselves with that. We're supposed to let other people deal with it. And to be honest with you guys, when she said that to me, I was thinking, okay, she's not telling me something I don't know. I mean, look at your cities. How many people actually participate actively and hold their governments accountable? Absolutely what? Like one or two? Maybe. People don't participate anymore. They don't care. They just think, well, that's above my pay grade. I'm just going to go to my job and just put my head down and do things. I just don't need to bother myself with extra things. I don't need to know what's going on in France. I don't need to know what's going on in Russia, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, India, Australia. I don't need to know anything because I got my DVR full. I got a job. I got health care. So I don't really care. See, those types of citizens require socialism because they lack the capacity to be active citizens. That's a fact. It'll hurt a lot of people saying it, but it's true. Those are not active citizens and they do want socialism. They want someone to tell them how their lives should be. It should be nine to five. You should be asleep at this time. This is primetime television. Dinner, who needs that? Everybody can eat their own. TV dinners, why cook and have hearty foods? Just stick it in the microwave. Let's just order a pizza. Playing outside, are you kidding? Just here's an iPad. This is how our values have been removed. Reagan told us that in 89. He's like, up until the 60s, you would get that patriotism. You would get that you know, national anthem when the TV station was closed, you would get all that. You would have these conversations. People would care about the wars. People would care about taxes. People would care about all these issues in a nation that you're a shareholder in. They would work. They would strive to make their nation even better. That was the deal that we're all equal in this nation. The president is equal to you. Crooked Hillary is equal to you. Lying Comey is equal to you. All the lying Democrats were equal to you. But look, it's 2019, and apparently they're not. They're above the law. They don't have to talk to you. They don't have to listen to you, and they don't have to fight for your interests because their interests are driven by something else, not their service. What happened to public servants 
sacrificing to serve the people. It's no longer the case. You walk in with zero dollars as a public servant, you walk out with pretty heavy line pockets. Doesn't sound like you're serving anyone but yourself. Patriotism is something that our nation lacks. And our president today is looking to remind us of those good days. I mean, how do you make America great again if you don't remember what made America great in the first place? Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So today is, the you know, the 4th of July. 
It is the day that we declared our independence from the United Kingdom. My husband, being a subject of the crown, says, you know, he texted me because he's at work. Uh, and he texted me this morning and said, you're welcome. We let you guys go. Um, so I'm really glad that we are not part of the crown. I am glad and I am grateful that a nation like this was created. It was a novel idea breaking from eons of the way civilizations were built, how nations were built, you know, on common grounds. We decided to find one common ground and that's our flag. We decided that we do not need thousands of years of history. We do not need thousands of years of culture. We do not need religion to bind us. What we need is to have a common goal. And what was that goal? To be shareholders in our nation, to be active citizens in our nation. And that was represented by our flag to allow us the opportunity to be the creators of our world. We have all the tools to do whatever we want. The more work you do, the more you produce. Now, let's be honest though, for many decades, this isn't the case. People work multiple jobs and still can't make ends meet because of regulations, because of healthcare policies that are in place, because of taxation, because of socioeconomic structuring within our communities, because power has shifted away from us. That is the bottom line. If we had the power... There wouldn't be rich congresspersons, rich senators, and rich, you know, mayors and governors. No, it would not. They would be just like you or I. They would be serving you and I. So, we no longer have our nation. Now, I want to resurrect President Reagan again so you can hear these words that ring so true today. And he reminds us why we should be fighting in this fight of this war we've already won with President Trump in office is far from over, far from over. Now let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war, but there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace and you can have it in the next second, surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? When Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He has told them that we're retreating under the pressure of the Cold War, and someday, when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary, because by that time, we will have been weakened from within spiritually, morally, and economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price, or better rest than death, or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war. 
because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Winston Churchill said the destiny of man is not measured by material computations. When great forces around the moon in the world, we learn their spirits, not animals. He said there's something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of men on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. So, you know, freedom is more than just one generation away from extinction, right? It's never, never. It's this generation and then the next one, it could be extinct. Now, if we don't hand over the values as a nation to our children or those around us, because you may not have children, but to those around us, to those that we interact with, you know, this is aiding the extinction of freedom, it is something that we have to fight for, something that we have to protect. And those notions of fighting and protecting your freedoms should always be passed on to those that surround you and your children. Because like Reagan said, instant peace is easy. Do you want peace instantly? You surrender. Wave that white flag and the war ends. That's accommodation and that is appeasement. Do we see in our nation all these accommodations that we have done, all these appeasements? We had a president that would appease all nations globally that would bow down to them when he should be the one keeping his head up, standing tall, standing proud because our nation is completely different to those around us. Yes, it is not great. Yes, it is not as our forefathers intended, but what it represents is something special. It represents liberty and security. How far do we go in accommodating, in appeasing? It'll come a time 
when they're going to call us to the carpet after all this appeasement, after all these accommodations, and to allow for their assimilation or their tolerance of our way of life, that there will be a final demand for the ultimatum. And there, where do you stand? From decades of bowing down, from decades of appeasing and accommodating and sharing and neglecting your own nation, what do you do? Do we retreat? Because our nation is morally spent. Up until we elected President Trump, morally spent. Even during the administration of Reagan, and I've said this before, and I don't mind if you hate me for it, but he was not the president. Bush 41 was a three-term president. They had Reagan on a very short leash. But regardless, he would say what he wanted to say, even though he couldn't do what he was saying. Okay. Our nation has, is morally spent. We have bent over backwards for everyone except for our own citizens and have forfeited our rights. War. Hmm. I would say for someone to conquer our nation, it will be in silence because those that are citizens of this nation, that take that duty seriously, that participate in our republic, that hold the public servants accountable, would always speak. So the only way that we would be overrun is when you silence them. Because right now, the liberals would rather plead on their knees to survive than die on their feet standing. Because I'll tell you what, my grandfather said that to me once. He said, I would never kneel. I would, I would hate to think that I would die on my knees, clutching my chest, anything. I'd rather go in my sleep or standing on my feet. I agree. And what Reagan said during that speech is excellent. Because right now, what this socialism that we have, right? Because we're, we already have socialism intertwined as a facade. Our values are pretty much a facade. They've already taken over our government. We have won the war by putting the leader in there to remove it, to fix it, to revert the damage. Because socialism is nothing more than being slaves. Slaves to what they tell you to follow. Slaves by telling you what to think, telling you how to work, how to look, how to walk, how to talk, how to study, and how to partake in society. And as Reagan said, would it be better if Moses told the children of Israel, hey, just remain slaves to Egypt. Don't fight. No need to shed blood. No need to draw a hard line. Just remain there. Should it have been better if Jesus Christ said, well, I don't, I don't want to carry the cross. I don't want to be crucified. Huh? What would you say? Should the Greeks have allowed Hitler to pass? Because if they did, World War II would have taken another turn. And it's unbeknownst to many, you know, Hitler loved the Greeks. Why? Because he thought that the Aryan race, you know, was derived from the ancient Greeks and that he was part of that race or whatever. So Mussolini called the Greeks and said, yo, Hitler wants to go by because he wants to take boats across to get to the shores of Africa. So let us through. And Greece at that moment where they woke up 
their president in the middle of the night and it's celebrated on October 28th every year as the no day said no. And if they didn't say no, where would we be now? Because the allies lost and the Greeks with sticks and stones shedding blood like no other and yet ignored and yet abused and yet walked all over as a nation held off Hitler long enough to freeze his butt in Russia, held them off and pushed them back into Albania when Mussolini was coming over with what? Sticks and stones because these people still had donkeys at the time, not cars. So it is when you fight for freedom. See, the Greeks were fighting for freedom. And this is why Winston Churchill said, you know, um, Greeks don't fight like heroes. Heroes fight like Greeks. That's one of his famous, you know, words. Because they were fighting for freedom. Complete and utter freedom. They didn't care who or what, but they knew that it was their duty to hold bay for over a year and a half when big nations like France went down in three days, right? Greece held them for a year and a half with sticks and stones. This is how you see where patriotism comes in. If uh, I don't have it translated, but the last speech that was given to the Greeks was about, um, he said, this is the last time you're going to hear me on air and you know, no other communications will be coming from us. We are at war. They have not declared war on us, but they have declared war on freedom. And it is our obligation as Greeks to fight for that freedom, not only for us, but for all the other nations that have fallen. Now, that is patriotism. Not just for your nation, but for freedom in general. So when we see our values being pushed upon other nations now, because how many, how many, Nations across the globe have citizens that wish they had our president. How many times have you seen it? How much respect do you see our president gaining from other nations? That is because they want freedom too. There is always a road to peace, guys. Nothing, um, not every war requires bloodshed. And you would say, well, how do we get this road to peace? How How do we do it? Well, you're the one that's paving it, and so am I. We're the pavers. We're the ones that are laying out, you know, the asphalt, putting together the stones, because we set the limits. We tell other nations. We tell people, freedom haters, people that want socialism, people that want communism, totalitarianism, monarchies. We tell them this is the line that we draw. No more appeasement. No more accommodations. We look at our people first and what we say goes. This is the only way we can pave a road to peace, pave a road to maintain that special thing that we have, which is the belief in freedom. The belief that people are free. You and I are the ones that are responsible to not only execute this, and stand tall for this, but also preserve it for the generations to come. We're responsible. We're responsible of maintaining our nation and its values 
as they were intended to be. Because again, I've said this, we share no commonalities except for what? Love of freedom. And that flag that we have, the flag that they so easily burn, the flag that they stand on, pee on, trample on, pull apart, and mock, the flag that triggers them is the symbol of our unity. That is the symbol of our unity. That is the commonality we have, that we believe in a free people. We believe that all human beings, no matter what race or creed they are, should be free. No matter what religion you are, should be free. And no matter who you are, should have the ability to create your own livelihood, to create a family, to perpetuate these values forward. That's what we believe in. And it is our job to do this. And unfortunately, patriotism has dwindled. And, you know, you see the left constantly creating this simile that nationalism and patriotism are bad things. Remember the definitions, I've talked about this before redefining words, redefining words that accommodate them. To be a patriot means that you stand for your country. Every single time that national anthem is on, you tear. You understand just how much bloodshed has fallen so that you can be there. For me personally, I think, oh, wow. You know, that person is standing there uh, stomping the flag, and doesn't understand that, you know, one day I was sitting next to a friend of mine, asked them for a cigarette, sat there with them, had that cigarette, and five minutes later, my friend was hamburger. My friend who stood for the flag, my friend who fought so that you can stand in this nation, on this land, with the right to do what you just did. That's what happened. This is what our nation stands for. So everyone that spews the vile hatred, you know, the malicious way people speak is because people like us fought. So you have the right to sit on your stupid lawn chair, wipe the Doritos on your chest, you know, in your mom's basement and troll and spew hate because I fought for your right to do that. So have many others. So what do we say? Do all the lives that were, you know, that, 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 that had passed from 1776 up until today mean nothing? They are in vain. We shouldn't remember history. We should forget about it and rebuild new, take down monuments. Those mistakes, those changes are what make us who we are today. Oh, you know, that person was a slave owner. George Washington was, yeah, it was normal then. Normal then was also going out to the square, putting someone that robbed an orange, you know, right in the middle and hanging them. You know, there was also the punishment of disembowelment, right? So it was normal back then, uh, you know, if a human being stole an apple to put him in the town square, cut an incision and start on, you know, disemboweling them with like this, like a fishing line thing. And that was normal, but we won't talk about that. We'll just talk about slavery, which has been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and was normal. Because it was normal back then to do those things. It was normal back then for women to not do anything, not work, just stay home. It was normal back then. It's not normal now because we grow. 
we grow as people, we grow as nations. So anyone that comes at me, well, you know, they were slavery. So who cares? It was normal then. When I was a kid, it was totally normal for the teacher to take a ruler and smack it in your hand. Now they're going straight to jail. They do not pass go and they never have a job again. It was normal then. Yeah. You know, so-and-so, um, you know, had plantations and all these slaves. So we need to remove his monument. Why? It was normal back then to take a criminal that did nothing, but maybe, I don't know, pee in a well or steal a cigarette and disembowel them in front of people. People even got snacks and, and cheered for it, <laughs> which today, if it happened, you know, you'd, you'd think, oh my gosh, is this the purge? This is crazy, right? You would think it's crazy, but guess what? It was only a hundred years ago. Over a hundred years ago, people were being sold on the streets. Either they'd be white or black along with cows. It was normal back then. Growth is key. And it's now 2019 and we have grown as people. We have grown in understanding that every single human being either that be unborn or alive, either that be a child or an adult, either that be male or female, have every single right to life that you have. Have every single right to enjoy everything this nation has to offer. That's where we're at. But for some reason, they're telling us that we are barbaric, how dare we believe in things like this because we're racist? How dare we believe in this because we're not tolerant? Remember, there is like 0.001% of the population that is transgendered, and that is a huge topic. Who is amplifying this? The enemies of freedom. That is who is amplifying it. Who is demanding that company mergers happen and big companies become one? The freedoms of the, the, the enemies of freedom. Because the more diversity we have and the less monopolies we have, the more competition there is. Ergo republic, ergo freedom. Look at the people who are screaming to take away your rights. And you know what? Hmm. No matter how rich you are, no matter how much wealth in the world you have, you can own the sun and the moon, but you cannot buy health. If your health fails, yes, with the right amount of money, you can temper it, you can extend your life, you can make it more tolerable, but in the end, your health, your body, is the most precious thing you have in your existence. And yet years ago, in this very nation, the nation that stands for freedom, the nation that stands for liberty, forfeited their right and handed their rights to health over to the few. And now, that's the topic of discussion. How everyone should have access to healthcare. Think about it. How? Are we going to end up like Canada, where they wait, what, three to six months to see a specialist? And what kind of specialist? You're probably going to get the, the person that was at the bottom of their class. That's how it works. Have you noticed which doctors take Medicaid? Not good ones. This is where you see who is attacking our freedoms because if they control your health, they control everything. That is how dumb and stupid our generations that are coming up to the voting age are. 
And I am grateful that children between the ages of 10 and 14 have now realized how much they would like the America that they hear President Trump talking about, that they would love to be free, that they like to say what they want. They want freedom. Mm, that gives hope. Hope that we will succeed. And I, and I, and I know that we're going to have a second term of President Trump only because he was unable to complete what he needed to do in this first term. Because for two and a half years, they bound his hands, they bound his feet with false investigations, with roadblocks like special counsels, that with strategies that have worked in the past to control and put presidents on short leashes. But they want to not put him on a leash, but remove him, impeach him, so no other citizen ever dare have the idea that they think that they can come up and empower the people and remind them that they're in control. And this is why we can't hear our voices because they control every single facet of our mainstream media. They control the press and amplify the message of the 0.000001% of the nation. And the more they amplify it, on repeat, the more you might believe it. After the break, we're going to break down Tommy Robinson's case, what's going on in Turkey, what's happening in Libya, and about this um, tanker that supposedly was seized going to Syria when it really wasn't super creepy. See you all in a bit. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, Unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. This is the second hour, and um, I think it's important for me to kind of outline what is going on today in other nations. And, not other, uh, and no other nations are celebrating our 4th of July. Actually, they're probably not wanting to celebrate our 4th of July uh, because we are literally pulling everyone's pants down. And this is for the good of humanity. Let's remember this. The good of humanity, because when I have said repeatedly, and I said this in 2015, when he came down the escalator, he's going to change the world. He is. We're forging ties where ties should not supposedly exist. And we are exposing what is going on. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible what is happening. I want to play a clip now of the uh, Tommy Robinson hearing. So he's in court today and, you know, he was already jailed for this, right? 
And what's curious is, is that this case has been taken to the highest court in the land of England, kind of like our Supreme Court, say the equivalent. And they kicked it back down saying, look, uh, this is like highly controversial, highly political. And I really don't want to be the one that's going to say we have no freedom in the United Kingdom. And, you know, we have abused our office to silence someone because that is exactly what they don't want to happen. And, you know, it's oddly very familiar for me. Now, take a listen to this short clip from Ezra, who is who was um, tweeting live uh, from the courtroom. For the Rebel Dot Media, I'm Ezra Levant, standing yet again outside the Old Bailey Central Criminal Court here in London, England. There are 14 cases being tried today in the Old Bailey. 13 of them are for murder, and one of them is for a citizen journalist live streaming his political views on Facebook. I'm not even Guys, how incredible does that sound, right? Right? 13 for murder, and today they have Tommy Robinson, a citizen journalist, and for what? For live streaming on Facebook and showing the faces of child rapists, of rape gangs. It is incredible. Kidding. Of course, this is not the first day Tommy Robinson has been on trial here at the Old Bailey. If I had to count up the number of court hearings he has had because of that live stream back in May 2018, I think we're up to seven or eight. I've never heard of such a thing. In fact, it's unprecedented. I've reviewed dozens of historical precedents for contempt of court. I've never heard one that's continued for 14 months of prosecution, even after the British uh, Court of Appeal has thrown out the original conviction. It's incredible and it can only be excused by one thing. This trial is not actually about contempt of court. It's about the UK government's contempt for free speech and a dissident voice of democracy. Exactly. And you know what? Mm, I, for those of you that know, this is like super close to home, so close to home. Like I can feel Tommy Robinson because I'm there, buddy. I am so there. Censorship. Don't you dare speak against a government, an elected official. They will drown you in lawsuits for anything, frivolous things. They will gang up on you. They will even put out social media ads for you. They will try to destroy you. And this is what we have here. They're already doing it in our country. They're censoring. They're suing. They're attacking. They're wrongfully accusing. How, how many times have we seen this? Millions here on the floor, though, on the world stage, the United Kingdom is pulling their own pants down completely. Uh, it is just horrific. So I'm, I'm really glad 1776 happened. Really glad my forefathers had guns. Really, really appreciative for July 4th. And God bless America. Take a listen to what else Ezra has to tell us. I don't know that much about Julian Assange, but I think that Tommy Robinson's name is becoming, I don't know, affiliated with political persecution in the same way that many claim Julian Assange has been. Uh, unlike Assange, Tommy Robinson is still free to be out on the street. And in fact, even though the court will not proceed for another 90 minutes or so, you can see 
Over 100 supporters are already here outside the Old Bailey. And Tommy Robinson has brought a massive double-decker bus, that classic UK look. But it's not a normal double-decker bus. It's got a huge digital TV screen on the side, suitable for street protests. They haven't locked them up for long. They haven't kept them down for long. I think it's that resilience that has inspired a lot of people here today. To get to the substance of it, the question is, did Tommy Robinson exhibit contempt of court back in May 2018 when he live-streamed his political commentary outside the trial of a massive rape gang in Leeds, UK? Rape gangs here are an, an unusual phenomenon, uh, but they're becoming commonplace, I regret to say. These are not one-off smash-and-grab style rapes where a, a someone grabs a woman off the street, rapes her in the alley and runs off. These are systematic rapes again and again and again of young children who were exploited and extorted and corrupted by gangs of mainly Pakistani Muslim men. And that's such a terribly politically incorrect fact that most people have trouble even saying it. And so when these rape gangs are detected by social services, by the media, by police, by doctors, they shut up about it because they don't want to be called racist. In the United Kingdom, the people who have been the most outspoken about it have been righteous Pakistani Muslim men, including Majid Nawaz, the head of the Muslim Quilliam Foundation, and in fact the prosecutor of one of the large rape gangs in Rotherham, a Pakistani Muslim man himself. Everyone else in this country seems terrified to talk about these. They're more afraid of racism than of rapism I so guys just so we're clear so I, I lived in East London. I used to hang out um, in Ilford, which is a predominant Muslim community. I used to go on the high street there to get my eyebrows threaded. Uh, totally dominant Muslim community. Everyone's like in burqas, saris, you know, the the, the turbans. We have the, the sheiks. Um, we have everything, okay? The, the everything. Now, they are the most outspoken against these things, because they created their own community, but now they're seeing a more radicalized portion. And the way it is, so we can understand, is how many times have you been told, hey, you can't talk about that. You got white privilege. See, a black man can talk about a black man doing something wrong, but a, a white man pointing out a black man's doing something wrong is racist. Why? Because of his skin color? Really? And this is exactly what's going on in the United Kingdom. The majority of them do this. But here's the thing. If you actually look at criminal statistics in India and Pakistan, this is normal for them. They do that with their own people, not just, you know, um, you know, UK citizens or white children. They do it with all kinds of children, boys and girls. And what he means by grooming is that they repeat rape them. They pass them around to everyone. And if they say anything, they cause them issues in school with their parents. They taunt them and even beat them. So they beat these young children into submission. Now, here's a point that I want to make. This is the same thing that happens in multiple states across the nation, specifically also in mine, where people of office, 
Find children and groom them and rape them and share them unless, you know, they want exclusive ownership, as uh, one of the victims have told me. This is how they operate because those children in turn will recruit other children for them. And how do they do it? They blackmail them. They blackmail them because they usually target children, you know, within the United States where the parents are living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe the one of the parents is a recovering alcoholic or recovering drug addict, or maybe one of the parents have gone to jail and they threaten your parents will go to jail. I will lock them up. You watch me. You either do what I say or whatever. My one most ultimate, uh, you know, source that gave me so much information Explain to me exactly how he was groomed when he was 10. And his story was reconfirmed by his parents, but from a more benign view as, well, the police just dragged him out at, you know, 10 o'clock at night and wouldn't tell us where they were taking him. Where they were taking him was where it began. And these grooming gangs is a very big problem in England because people don't want to speak up because what? racism because that's what you do you scream racism you scream bigotry you scream white privilege I don't even know what that means anymore so that way you can get someone to shut up well I'm not scared of someone calling me racist I really don't care what you have to say because I know who I am and if more people acted like that that didn't need the approval of some idiot some clown that thinks they know best we wouldn't be in the situation that we're at now. Take a listen to what else Ezra is telling you, because what we're seeing in England happens here, just not to that scale yet. Foes, except Tommy Robinson, and for years he has been prosecuted on any matter by the state. That's the other angle here. It's not just about free speech and the right to be a dissident and a critic of the government. It's can you even talk about the major crisis in the United Kingdom? Credible reports put these systematic rapes of children, the children who are being raped. I'm not even talking about adults. I'm talking about as girls as young as 11. Can you even talk about it? As the public intellectual Douglas Murray says, the UK is good at going after the secondary effects, shutting people up. There's over 900 Facebook police uh, in the Metropolitan uh, Police Force alone. By that, I mean 900 real cops who just sift through Facebook and Twitter and literally go to people's homes if they tweet the wrong thing. Douglas Murray points out that the UK is good at shutting people up, but they're not as good at solving the underlying problem, in this case of rape gangs. So today, I am here at the Old Bailey for what is possibly... The last time, though I've said that before, all the legal preliminaries are over, the skirmishes, the technicalities. This case has been punted back and forth from court to court. Uh, the um, Recorder of London, which is an ancient title, one of the oldest titles, the most senior judge at the Old Bailey, he refused to hear this case several months ago. He said, it's too complicated, it's too controversial, too political. I'm giving it back to the Attorney General. I will not hear it. I thought the Attorney General, Theresa May's hand-picked uh, head of justice, would say, nah, Tommy Robinson has already served enough time, 10 weeks, in solitary confinement. As the Court of Appeal says, it was an improper conviction and punishment. But no, Theresa May wants another go at Tommy Robinson. So this is it. This is the real deal. The big fight. The trial is scheduled for two full days, although it's possible it could wrap up today. I've had a chance to confidentially review some of the documents and pleadings that will be put to court today, 
and I have to say, I think Tommy Robinson's case is strong by any objective measure. Of course, when Tommy was live streaming outside the court, the hysterical allegation by police was he was disrupting the court trial inside, which was impossible given that the trial had concluded and the jury was that day going to render its verdict. How could a trial be corrupted if it was over? Second of all, Tommy had no information from within the trial. He was giving his general political opinions outside of it. And finally, the names of the accused that he read, which was allegedly an offense, he read them off a government website, that of the state broadcaster, the BBC. So it was an absurd prosecution in the first go-round and an absurd conviction. But here we are 14 months later, and it's even more absurd because, of course, that trial concluded successfully. The rapists were, in fact, convicted. So how could it even be argued that Tommy Robinson disrupted the trial if the trial concluded successfully? So the Attorney General has changed their argument, and they're saying that by asking these rapists how are you feeling about your chances? That's not the exact wording Tommy used, but it was something like that. As they walked in, Tommy caused these rapists stress and anxiety on their conviction day. Insanity, right? Well, <laughs> guys, one day I'll tell my story. It looks like a crazy attorney generals exist everywhere. They go for one thing and go for another. I'll just um, um, uh, state out to you some highlights. So the lawyer for the British government, the AG, uh, is now uh, was inexplicably challenging Tommy Robinson for criticizing the mainstream media and calling on his supporters to report on stories the mainstream media isn't. They don't call it establishment for nothing, now do they? And that was from Andrew Lawton that was reporting live uh, from uh, the courtroom. Ezra Levant, uh, during, um, and if you're not following him, he's at Rebel Media. It's at Ezra Levant, that's E-Z-R-A-L-E-V-A-N-T. Uh, he said, the prosecutor seems upset that Tommy was warning neighbors about accused child rapists who were allowed back into the neighborhoods. Tommy said at one point, I heard five accused rapists were still working at the chicken shop wherein they actually rape children. I went to the chicken shop and asked the neighbors if they knew that, and they didn't. The prosecutor says there's nothing in the law that says that the court can't ban publication of facts already in the publication uh, in the public domain this is censorship at its finest and it is that they are trying to make an example of tommy robinson there are so many of us across the nation right now where the leftist mainstream media where there are corrupt attorney generals prosecutors that are doing the same they're saying if you come up against us if you tell us we're doing it wrong if you expose child and human trafficking if you expose you know these connections that we have with all these cartels if 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 you'll be made of an example of this is exactly the corrupt mo and i've told you before corrupt human beings are criminal right they are criminal and what do they do they are creatures of habit they don't shake things up we've seen it in the political realm they use the same mo they use the same people they use the same rhetoric they use the same avenues to install fear to control government to control people and control in essence every facet of our society this isn't something new and you know, 
if you see, say, someone like me being, you know, harassed with lawsuits, with frivolous, crazy things, crazy things, you're going to think twice before you lift your head and complain. You're going to think twice before you say, hey, you got $15 million to, to, to build my roads. Where is it? Um, did you speak? filing did you speak filing oh and we'll get the press and we'll get all this and we'll rally up clowns in trailers where we'll give them five dollars to shut up or give them a job so they can help out on this because this is what happens when you use your voice this is what happens when you raise your head against the corrupt government and let this be known that if our president fails the world fails because he is leading the pack. He is leading the fight to freedom. We won the war, but now we're really fighting because they're fighting to win the war, which they've failed. So keep that in mind because what I find funny is that I have the liberals and crazy people that who don't know me, don't know you, where they come at us and they tell us how we're awful human beings or how, you know, they want to lecture all of us on our morality. Well, listen, if you're a person that supports a party that thinks that aborting life is good, that illegals have more rights than its own citizens, that refugees have more access and should be treated better than our veterans, please don't come at me. That is not something I want to hear. This is my nation. My people come first. And that's how it goes. And I will respect, I will respect the right for people to say whatever they want, because this is the United States of America doesn't mean I'm going to like it, but I'm going to respect your right to say it. I'm going to respect your right to say it until, you know, it comes to a point where it's like, it's no more a right. It's an abuse. Now, you know, I'm also, I, I wanted to point out aside from the censorship, I am seeing a lot of people that are supposedly conservative, supposedly on the Trump train, supposedly on America first, that are patriots, that are nationalists, that have all these connections that meet with all these high officials that are siding with our enemies. So I have been telling you since November that the war will start from Turkey. Turkey today was sent the ultimatum by the United States. Listen, you are now excluded from the F-35 program because tomorrow it is said that the first shipment of the S-400 missiles are to be arriving to Turkey. So the U.S. has already put their foot down, but apparently... Someone is saying that Turkey is offered to be our ambassador or our point of contact for Iran. Like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. We got Japan on that. Uh, you know, and either way, we have Switzerland that actually is the Swiss and the U.S. Embassy. But keep in mind, Geneva is very corrupt. It's very evil. Center of all, hence its neutrality. But we'll get back to that at another show. Uh, the thing that we need to understand is, is that... Um, uh, we have infiltration. See, I've told you how the illegal immigrants are not just for the purpose of votes, but they're to infiltrate our nation and cause chaos and to uh, destroy our infrastructure. The same thing is being realized now within this conservative movement of information. We are seeing that our conservative media is now swaying to the left. We're seeing that uh, our conservative pundits are now shifting a bit. So, 
you have to be very, very careful what information you accept as fact. Again, just listen to the leaders. Just listen to your president. Do not listen to the vice president. Don't listen to Pompeo. Don't listen to Bolton. Listen to President Trump. He will tell you everything that there is to know. Now, from today, what we are expecting at this great grand parade that has happened many times before. It was actually a tradition. And the last one we had was in 1991, I think. But it used to be a tradition where you used to have a parade. You used to applaud your soldiers. You used to have your airplanes flying and tanks going. And everyone was super proud. And little kids on the side of the road with little American flags. So proud to be part of this great nation. So proud of the soldiers that have spilled blood for them to stand there and wave that little flag, you know, because it's 2019 and they don't do that anymore. People aren't proud of the soldiers. They're proud of what? The people that illegally cross the border after being paid to jump on a caravan. Those are the people that they find proud, uh, that they have pride for. And you know, I just wanted to say before this half hour closes and we get into the tankers in Syria and Turkey, I wanted to say the TV channels, NBC, ABC, CBS, and MSNBC will not be airing the 4th of July celebration. And that for me goes to show just how vile they are, just how anti-American they are, and just how necessary it is for us to kick up a stink and say no more. We have to say no more. We have to call them and pull them to the cart. We need broadcasters to be brought down because I'm sure there's a lot of people that would love to have a broadcasting license. And you know, the FCC doesn't issue the broad, it's different. They give it to broadcasters, not channels. Well, I want broadcasters to be called to the carpet. I need the broadcasters, you know, to be held to better standards. So we need changes in the form uh, 303-S that the FCC has them fill out for renewal of their license. Because I don't think this is something that we should allow. It's kind of maybe we should have them with, um, you know, like X-rated channels. <laughs> oh, and speaking of broadcasting. So my local TV... KX News put out a, a post today on Facebook saying, oh my gosh, call DirecTV. They dropped our local channels. And you know, people are on there supporting DirecTV. So I dropped my article, right? Where I'm like, uh, President Trump told you he took him to court. Remember, DirecTV doesn't let Dish have HBO because they own those channels now, right? So this is a big deal. And now they're dropping local channels because they're demanding more money. Um, you know, the, and it's not that the channels are demanding more money. It's not like Nexstar Broadcasting that has local channels says, oh, you used to get it for a hundred million, but now, you know, uh, you know, we want 120 million and DirecTV says, no, no, thank you. It's that DirecTV said, hey, oh, we're only going to pay you 70 this year, not a hundred. And they're like, why? Uh, that's our value. You know, that's what we say goes. And if you don't want it, then you're not aired on DirecTV. And people think that's okay. People are like, well, why are you asking for more money? They're not. It's DirecTV that dropped the prices. So Nexstar Broadcasting, by the way, that has a lot of local TV channels, you know, from CW and everything, they're no longer going to be aired on DirecTV uh, because of this negotiation issue, because DirecTV has dictated that it should be at a lower price because, you know, they're the only ones that offer certain channels now because they own them, something that 
President Trump told us about while he was campaigning. President Trump, as president, took them to court and still a liberal judge. And we're going to see a lot of judges go. Lots of them. We're going to see a lot of them. After Labor Day, boy, are we going to have changes. And I'm telling you now, we're going to see two resignations, I'm telling you now, from the Supreme Court. This is going to be coming to light soon. I'm telling you now, crystal ball, two Supreme Court judges are going to be resigning. I'll see you all in just a bit after this short break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855 700 2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com
Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So it's the 4th of July. Uh, during the break, I was looking at the live stream of the Independence Day Parade in Washington, D.C., and guess what I saw? A bunch of turbans, and it was the Sheiks for America proudly waving the American flag, proudly parading. That makes my heart so full of warmth and happiness because this is what America is about. You can come from anywhere. You can believe in anything. And yet the common ground that we find is our flag and, and the rights that that flag dictates, which is freedom. Now, also over the break, I saw an article by salon.com that was saying how racist and sexist and, you know, how it, um, the declaration of independence, you know, didn't denounce slavery. And I'm like thinking guys in 1776, you know, it was okay to kind of like exit wherever you were living and just take a dump in the street. It was okay for a guy to just, you know, stop in the middle of the park in front of children and other adults and just It was okay to put someone in the town square and disembowel them for stealing an orange. It was okay to, you know, and people were having a party, maybe, you know, you know, schmores and grilling out to watch this person die a painful death. It was okay in the past to kill a dog because it was annoying. It was okay in the past to smack your wife. It was okay in the past to, um, you know, uh, I don't know, smack your kids. It was okay to do anything that is not okay now okay so back then different times different things were accepted and remember slavery has been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and yet our nation so great from 1776 up until 1863 That's all it took less than a hundred years to put their foot down to abolish slavery, to put their foot down and abolish slavery. So those types of statements show just how stupid they think their readers are. But you know what? Most Americans that read things like that are indeed stupid. They don't appreciate growth. I mean, were you the same person you are today five years ago, 10 years ago? 20 years ago, 30 years ago. No, you're not. Your ideas have changed. Even your taste buds. I used to hate lentil soup. Totally love it now. Used to hate okra. It's my favorite snack now. So things change as we grow. And as a nation, we grew. And it took us less than 100 years to remedy something that has been plaguing the world, the whole planet, and has been acceptable across the whole planet for thousands of years. So Rubbish like that is indeed that rubbish. And I wonder who the sponsors are for that. Now, shifting gears. I'm going to play a clip from um, the government of uh, Her Majesty's government of Gibraltar. Take a listen to this. In the early hours of this morning, Gibraltar port and law enforcement agencies, assisted by a detachment of Royal Marines, boarded a supertanker carrying crude oil to Syria. We have detained the vessel and its cargo. This action arose from information giving the Gibraltar government reasonable grounds to believe that the vessel, the Grace One, was acting in breach of European Union sanctions against Syria. In fact, we have reason to believe that the Grace One was carrying its shipment of crude oil to the Banyas refinery in Syria. That refinery is the property of an entity 
that is subject to European Union sanctions against Syria. Yesterday, we published regulations and a notice to enforce those sanctions against this vessel and its cargo. I also gave a direction requiring the captain of the port, assisted by the Royal Gibraltar Police and Her Majesty's Customs, to take control of the Grace One. With my consent, our port and law enforcement agencies sought the assistance of the Royal Marines in carrying out this operation. As the sanctions being enforced are established by the EU, I have written this morning to the presidents of the European Commission and Council setting out the details of the sanctions which we have enforced. I want to thank the brave men and women of the Royal Marines, the Royal Gibraltar Police, Her Majesty's Customs Gibraltar and the Gibraltar Port Authority for their work in securing the detention of this vessel and its cargo. Be assured that Gibraltar remains safe, secure and committed to the international rules-based legal order. Uh-oh, so they're lying, and I'm going to tell you how they're lying. First of all, this ship was owned by Lloyd's, uh, by a United Kingdom company, up until 2013. That super tanker was actually sold to Rosneft, a Russian company, right? And apparently this ship, um, before it was named the Grace One, was called the Meridian Lion, and before that, just the Meridian International. And it used to fly under the um, Tanzanian flag. Now it's flying under the Panamanian flag. Uh, so what's weird is, is how they're saying they captured it and it has crude oil. So here's the thing. You guys know from me watching shipping um, lines, I've been keeping a close eye because I'm looking at where we're delivering weapons and where these ships are going. Um, like I mentioned, the weapons delivery in Eastern Europe by the U.S. Anyway, so this tanker left in November... Okay, it left in November um, uh, uh, from a port. I think it was um, China, I think. Anyway, uh, and it was around Iran in April. Um, and it supposedly sailed around Africa, didn't go through the Strait of Hormuz, um, and got to Gibraltar, right? But here's the thing. It was detained because they said it has crude oil. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If this ship spent, you know, all that time going around the Horn of Africa, right, and coming back up to go around, uh, you would uh, think that... Um, it would need to kind of refuel, right? Uh, because you need to see it. First of all, you need to have record of it loading crude oil, which it didn't. And second, this ship is actually being used all the time to fuel other ships. So you know how when Air Force One, if it's flying, right? Instead of landing for refueling, they'll send another airplane and they will, you know, airplane to airplane fuel. Happens a lot in ships too, out in the open sea. They may need a refuel and there's tankers that carry fuel for ships, which is like an oil-like fuel. It's not like, you know, unleaded gas we get at the pump. So here's the thing. Um, it wasn't headed for Syria because it had fuel for ships you know, that actually power ships. It was a like a fueling ship, okay? And just so you know, um, when you have crude oil, 
let's say, and you put it in a bucket, it's going to weigh, I'm just saying like a five liter bucket, it will weigh five kilograms, right? But if you fill it up with fuel oil, the oil type fuel that you use for a ship, that same five liter bucket will weigh eight kilos. It's heavier, Okay. So here's the important thing. So when ships, you know, um, are in the water, if they're carrying heavy cargo, the hull of the ship will have so much depth. You'll see so much above the water line, et cetera. Right. So it seems that, um, this one did the ship itself had indeed, you know, um, gone through Dubai because, oh yeah, by the way, the Russian company that owns this ship is, you know, Rosanoft and it has an offshore company in Dubai, specifically, uh, Fajara, and that is where it's registered and they're the owners of the ship. I just wanted to point that out. Um, usually this ship goes from, you know, the Middle East to like the east so it'll go like japan taiwan and singapore so that's the usual route for this ship for fueling okay so i just wanted to say that if indeed okay because they're saying it was going to the port of banya right and that um it would totally um you know transfer crude oil what was weird is is that uh, you know and now i'm going to get a little bit technical but like I said, the gas that it was carrying is heavier than crude oil. So uh, it obviously the ship is more underwater than it would be if it had crude oil, right? Uh, so it would be a struggle for a ship like that with so much weight to actually more, okay? It's kind of like depth, right? Fishermen boats, for example. Um, okay, easier example. Um, in Greece, when I used to go in the summer, I used to love jumping off the port. And it was a port where not yachts would park, but little dinghies, fishing boats, little rowboats, you know, or even like mid-sized fishing boats, right? And the reason that they were all dinghies and little fishing boats, which me and my friends would climb into and then jump out of, pissing off completely the owners, but we were little kids, like, what were they going to say? Uh, I would wonder why the yachts would go all the way to the other side of, you know, the, the beach to park. And I was told it's because of the depth, because they're heavier. They have a, they sink more, so they can't come, you know, into our waters. This is the same thing. So that's, that's one thing that's confusing. Now, considering that it went around Africa, you know, one would say, oh, um, you know, it went around Africa and the reason it did that, it's because it didn't want to be seen and it was trying to be sneaky and come in, which is super dumb, right? And that it avoided the Suez Canal um, because, you know, it didn't want to be picked on or found. It's BS, so canals as well require that there is a depth weight. So if your ship is like loaded with boulders and it's sinking, you know, 25 meters underwater as opposed to the 15 that's the limit, you're not allowed to go through the canal. Now, there is no way that any ship would take a longer way route to escape being caught or checked 
because you still have to go by other ports and stuff and you'll be stopped and checked there. And there's no way that they would waste gas, money, and time on people uh, if it was just to to evade security things. So this is what's really crazy. They're saying that, you know, it's... Um, a concern that they have crude oil when you can visibly see that if it had crude oil, it would be higher on the the water line would be bigger. Like, you know, from where you see the boat to the top of where, you know, the deck is, it would be longer. It wouldn't be submerged. So something is going on because this was a fueling, you know, ship to ship fueling tanker that obviously was headed to Europe to fuel. And where would it fuel? I think the destination was actually Cyprus. Uh, you know, the Eastern Mediterranean where we're having um, a bit of issues. Considering that it's a Russian ship, it could be because Russia has a port, right? It has its own naval base uh, on, this, on, the, uh, on the shores of Syria in the Eastern Med. I've mentioned that before. So it seems really, really creepy and odd that, um, you know, they're misreporting. They're also stating that the ship was in Iraq. Hold on. I have a clip from Sky News. Let me let me play this for you. Listen to this. Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt says the swift action by authorities and Royal Marines near Gibraltar will deny valuable resources to Assad's murderous regime. Well, earlier today, an oil tanker was seized by uh, the authorities in Gibraltar, suspected of carrying a shipment of Iranian crude oil to Syria. It's believed the Grace One tanker had breached European sanctions. Sky's diplomatic editor Dominic Waghorn joins us now. Dominic, why did the authorities decide to intervene here and for how long have they been watching this ship? That's a good question. We don't know the answer to the, the last question, but it seems for some time and possibly all the way back to its port of origin, which um, is allegedly an Iranian port uh, where it took on oil. It's a, a very large super tanker, uh, managed to take a lot of oil on board there, but it only switched on its tracking uh, system as it sailed past an Iraqi port, allegedly, and therefore um, apparently may be claiming that it uh, tried to or took the oil on board there kind of masquerading uh, because it didn't uh, put its tracking system on until it sailed uh, past. Either way, it then went on around uh, Africa, didn't go through the Suez, uh, I guess they're escaping uh, scrutiny. And then as it went through the Straits of Gibraltar, it was intercepted by a team from 42 Commando based in Plymouth who flew out to Gibraltar on a C-17 transporter plane with a helicopter. With that chopper, they then fast roped onto uh, the deck of the vessel and um, uh, 30 Royal Marines and 16 uh, Gibraltarian police were involved in the operation, also using fast rib boats uh, to board uh, the vessel from the sea. This is what Fabian Bacardo, Chief Minister of Gibraltar, said earlier about the operation. This action arose from information giving the Gibraltar government reasonable grounds to believe that the vessel, the Grace One, was acting in breach of European Union sanctions against Syria. In fact, we have reason to believe that the Grace One was carrying its shipment of crude oil to the Banyas refinery in Syria. That refinery is the proper... Well, we heard that. So let me tell you something. In Syria, uh, you know, on the northern shore of Syria... um, There's a Russian naval facility, like I said, TARDIS. Uh, 
I am almost guaranteeing you. This refuel ship had contracts with ships that are out in the eastern Mediterranean and possibly returning to TARDIS, which is a Russian base. So this is the European Union confiscating Russian ships now. And I'm making this clear because no matter what rubbish they're telling you, if you actually watch the videos they have, it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, actually, someone just DM'd me an article from something called uh, tankertrackers.com. I didn't even know that there were people like this. And uh, they wrote an article and it says, last night we tracked the Iranian VLCC super tanker Grace One. It's not Iranian. It's actually Russian. Um, into Gibraltar's water flying with a Panamanian flag. Uh, this vessel departed Iran on April 17, 2019. And we have strong reason to believe she is carrying fuel oil as opposed to crude oil. And that's what I was telling you. Fuel oil is what, you know, you... Um, you know, gas up ships with. And um, it's still unclear if they boarded the vessel in EU water or international waters. They're still waiting for confirmation of that. Oh dear. Because if they boarded the ship in international waters, that's like war. But you know what? Because they're so heavy, maybe they had to veer off just maybe a mile or two uh, to if there was you know a depth concern but I, I highly doubt it the Straits of Gibraltar are pretty deep but anyway it says uh, Grace One has a history of handling ship to ship fuel oil transfers the vessel was constructed in 1997 and therefore not allowed to dock at many ports because she is older than 20 years of age that means oil transfers needed to be done out at sea and that's exactly what we saw her do in Iraq during 2018 and in the UAE in 2019 she would typically receive fuel oil from other um, VLCCs, 2 million barrels in Iran, and then deliver to smaller vessels. Oh my gosh. So, so why are they confiscating this? So um, it says here, I mean, she's okay. Given the vessel is heavy laden in the water, it says 22.5 meters debt. I, I guess these guys are seeing it actually. She's carrying 2 million barrels of fuel oil as opposed to crude oil, which is lighter. It's very thick and it has high viscosity, which is true. That's how I know that. Remember, I, I, I was in the Navy. So I know a little bit about this stuff. So basically, the destination that was being broadcasted is Medite, implying Mediterranean Sea, or in Iran's case, Syria. Now, the issue with that is that the waters outside the refinery of Banyas are too shallow for her condition to actually moor, um, which would, um, you know, indeed... Um, need to be connected by a submarine pipeline to go back to the refinery, which I don't know if they can do that. So I was on point. This is like they are stopping and, and Medite would be uh, Mediterranean. Think of it. They didn't go through the Suez. You know, they went all the way around. They didn't go through the Suez because of depth. And, you know, um, I, my family comes from uh, Corinth, right? And there's a man-made canal there. So people, when they, you know, when boats come from like Russia or when they come from the Middle East or from wherever, instead of going around all of Greece, they can just cut through the bay. It's usually the ones coming, you know, from the, you know, the northeastern part of the Aegean. But anyway, um, it was man-made built, 
and tugboats go out to get them. They've created a depth enough to be able to take in tankers, um, but it's not wide enough for the older ones. So older ones would have to go around, but they did have the depth because it's more new. So just so that people understand, if your ship is too deep, you can't go through it because, you know, you're going to scrape your hole. You're going to have a Titanic with oil. Big problem, right? So this is where it gets interesting. Why would they stop a Russian own ship because this is owned by Russia. That's fuel to fuel. Why would they do that in this day and age at this time? Saying sanctions for Syria. Mm. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because Syria is right by Iran. It's very easy for them to transport oil differently. So I don't see where the problem is. It makes you think what is really brewing. And People should always take everything they see with a grain of salt because it is not what they are telling you. Uh, They said, yeah, we have reason. Who tipped you off and who did it? No one. The bottom line is they wanted to get on there. They, uh, and I'm going to tell you this, even though it's a fuel to fuel, I guarantee you they probably thought that maybe someone was there. Maybe there was a meeting being held because you know who else is in the Eastern Mediterranean? The United States of America. You know who else is there? Israel. You know who else is there? Friendlies. And so what if there was information, classified intelligence, or an individual from Iran that may be there so there could be talks without the eye of the universal government? Just think about that for a second. Because it'll be a big deal if they stop this tanker in waters that are considered international. That is key. Now, we only have three minutes left. I can't believe the hours just went by. What do we expect today? Aside from an amazing parade, I'm expecting a pretty awesome speech by our president. And I am hoping that he will resurrect a few notions from our previous presidents. I really do. And I hope he gives us some really good uh, information. Could you imagine on the day we gained our independence that he maybe show us that we're independent from the swamp? Could this be why the mainstream media is not going to be live streaming it? Could this be why... For some reason, all social media companies the past two days have been selectively choosing dissemination of photos and videos. Mm? I'm just saying, what if there is an announcement that CNN, well, CNN didn't say they're not going to be there, but MSNBC did. So did CBS. So did ABC. So did NBC. What don't they want the people to see? The crowd? Mm. There's YouTube. There's social media. There's got to be something huge that's going to be dropped today that we don't know about. Because why else would they not go? Why else would they say, we refuse to cover it? It just goes to show that uh, something is up. Now, I don't know if CNN, I don't think CNN said that they're not going. I know that MSNBC said that they're not going, but mm, it's really odd how this is happening. Now, 
We do see a lot in the news about our Border Patrol. There was a video that was uh, tweeted out by Border Patrol in Arizona that gave you a tour of where the migrants are and how they are. So that's um, that's pretty interesting uh, to disprove the lies that they've been pushing. I don't know. Something big may drop. Something may be hinted. I'm going to be watching from home and I'm so devastated that I'm not there. For all of you that are there, I wish you to keep safe and um, enjoy the moment. I know a lot of you want to take pictures. A lot of you want to take videos. Um, Just make sure you're in the moment and take that one picture of you. Maybe that selfie with the huge crowd behind you. Maybe that selfie with the president behind you uh, to, to immortalize this moment because that's what really counts. Um, and if we just put our phones down for a second and just enjoy the moment, it is so much better. I mean, it can't get any better than this. And all we can do is do one thing and that's pray. No matter who you believe in pray because we have a praying president. We have a president that prays And like I said, I really believe he was elected and he won the election because on the eve of the election, guess what we all did? We all prayed worldwide. Graham set a prayer. I joined it at the same time across the globe. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Enjoy the fireworks. Enjoy this celebration reminding us of how we can make America great again. God bless from all of us here at Red State. God bless America.